0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth, presented by Core Water. Hey, welcome to the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth alongside my uh, co-host Mike Evans, Scott DeHuff, producing the show. Got to thank our presenting sponsors. That's fine folks over there at Core Water water hydrate with core.com for more information telling you what award-winning crisp clean taste the one with the big giant blue cap available pretty much everywhere 7-eleven and uh grocery stores you name it they have it that's core water hydrate with core.com michael how are you buddy you know i've just uh, decided this this is gonna be my last podcast um i know we're uh we're in our prime and everything Mm -hmm. and we're rolling but uh I think I'm going to take a page from Telvin Smith and just walk away. You're just going to walk just away? Just going to walk the... away. Cue the, the walk away music. Yeah. Is that amazing to you? Yeah. It, well, it, I, it, I mean, it, a really, yeah. I mean, in case you missed it, the Telvin Smith and uh, Jaguars, yeah, really good player. He's only 28, fifth-year player, and uh, has decided just to take a year off. Be with his family, get his body right, mind right, take a year off. Never, back in my day, never would have happened because he just didn't make enough money. You know, and these guys are making, I mean, they're making, you know, one year you're making whatever he, I don't know what he's making, but he's, he's a great I mean, not a good player. He's a great player. He's unbelievable speed. I, I, I it points to a couple different things. You make enough money that you're looking at it going, man, I can afford to take a year off, come back with my mind and my body. Right and play at a really high level, maybe get one more big contract that lets, you know, it's not only life-changing, it's generational life-changing. You know, it sets up my kids and my grandkids type of thing. That's the kind of money that we're talking about. But I think it points to this as well, Mike. I think, and well, I know having played for a long time, you put your body through such, I mean, it's such a train wreck on a week-to-week basis. And your body never really has the time to fully heal and recuperate before you start putting through, you know, that that train wreck again. And it just goes to show you how many guys line up on Sunday that are just beat to a pulp and they find a way to get through it, the competitive nature of playing in the National Football League and understanding that if you don't answer the bell – They'll find somebody who will, and uh, you know I I just it just goes to show you that just because you line up on Sunday doesn't mean you're healthy doesn't mean you're playing at your best. Um, it just means that you were able to answer the bell that you have enough toughness and and enough pride in what you do to line up, and most guys play that that play in the NFL play that way. I mean, it's not. Hey, I gotta miss a start because I got a you know a blister, I got a hangnail. You know, I sneezed and threw my back out. In the NFL, you have to play, and yeah. I I think it just shows what what guys kind of put themselves through. But here's okay, he's making about ten million dollars. So you're telling me, in a in a sport where the career life expectancy is lower than any other professional sport that you're going to bypass $10 million. I don't care how much you get paid, how much you Mm -hmm. take care of your money. You're going to bypass $10 million just to get right or feel better for a full year. You're going to bypass all that. I would think that playing through the pain and doing all those things that you just said that you do to get back out on the field for $10 million in a career where you don't have much time. That's a trade off you take. Well, let's say that you're feeling like, hey, man, if I play one more year and I'm not fully healthy, and you know, I've been nursing this knee injury, I've been nursing whatever, and it's not ready, and I go back and play on it and I play through the season, that might be the last ten million dollars I make. But if I actually take the time to let this thing heal properly and and, you know, and, and get myself right. I may make another 3 years. I may make another 30 million as opposed to just 10. So, you know, I think one of the things that's interesting is what like what we do to ourselves and what the doctors that that run NFL teams or that are associated with NFL teams, what they allow players to do is there's no place in the world that a doctor would okay you to do the things you do that an NFL doctor okay's you do. Like, th- like there is some serious, there is some serious crossing the line when it comes to being an NFL doctor. You have got to, at some point, you understand that players are going to do what what players are going to do. But some of the things that you check off on. Um, like for your own kids, you would as a doctor. Wait, 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 never... We talk about team doctors or trainers. Team doctors team, and trainers. I mean, I get maybe the trainer. Hey, you're going to play this week, right? right? Right. But doctors, sure. I thought doctors were supposed to be. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this. I don't know. Let uh, me basically. Ask you, let me uh, ask you. This. Completely unbiased. Okay. Let me ask you this. They're doctors. Who who are they getting paid by? The team. Okay. Let me ask you this. So 're you're telling, you're telling me that team doctors basically suspend their Hippocratic oath 100% to be the team doctor. The amount of business that you generate hell if you if you get if you're the average Joe, you play in a softball league, if you're the average Joe and let's say you break your wrist playing softball or you tear ligaments in your wrist playing softball or your knee. And you and you live in Denver. Who are you looking up? Ah, and you're a Bronco fan. I'm going to the Broncos doctors. They must be the best. Like the affiliation and the amount of business you generate that that drives your business by building being affiliated with that with that team, huge. So, do they suspend their Hippocratic oath? And do, absolutely. Yeah, let, let me ask you this. But see, I would think that well, would open, me... them, open you up uh, both as a doctor and as a teen. That would just open you up to all kinds of potential malpractice, lawsuits, all that stuff. The thing you hear all the time as a player, you can't do any further damage, <laughs> right? That's what you hear all the time. Let me ask you this. In what world, in what world would any doctor... Put you Pretend that you're a doctor, okay? Let's pretend that you went to med school. And let's say your son, Brady, twisted his knee in a high school or junior high game, okay? And he tore some knee cartilage. And you had to have an operation on that knee on Monday morning. Would you allow him to play next week's game on Saturday? No, of course not. No. Does that happen in the NFL? Every damn week. You know how many times I've had a surgery on a Monday? I had a surgery on a Sunday night. Sunday night and played Monday night football. The next night. Yeah, but that was your own pain tolerance, responsibility to the team, whatever you want to call it. I, You weren't being. What doctor checks w- what you out? What doctor was, was. What doctor checks you out and says, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I know you still have a bunch of morphine and everything else coursing through your veins, and you're probably going to be a little lightheaded during this game, but you know what? You're going to ram your head into other people's heads. It probably is not going to be a problem. What What doctor in the world checks you to do that? Fair point. Fair point. I've had elbow operation on, on Monday and played on Sunday. What's their rationale? Again, you can't hurt it anymore. Yeah, that it is you're right now? not going to do further damage to the joint. No, what you're going to create is degenerative changes that are going to hamper you for the rest Why of your life. Why doesn't the players association then demand independent doctors? Well, they have gotten to the point they, they do have, it with the concussions, right? Right. But they have gotten to the point where everybody's entitled to a second opinion. The team will, you know, will essentially fly you to your second opinion. But there's still get there's hurt feelings over that stuff. That stuff still like they the teams let you know. I mean, I think it's probably better than it's than it's been. It's probably far better now than it's ever been. But when I when I was a member of the Skins, I went and had Doctor James Andrews at the end of a season operate on my knee and operate on my elbow, which were both just absolutely trashed. Then when I went back to rehab and I needed some anti-inflammatory, you know what my trainer told me? Once you asked James Andrews for your tra- for your anti-inflammatories, they were pissed. Well, okay, so you – so I've, I've been there. Your final days with the Redskins, they failed you, right? They failed your physical. They failed you in a physical, right? My final days with the Redskins, they just told me they didn't okay, play Okay, but anymore. then some other teams failed you in physicals, I've right? I failed a physical in, in 1995. I failed a physical in Indianapolis. I failed a physical in Chicago. I failed a physical in Atlanta. But then you go to Denver. You come here to Denver. Uh Uh-huh. And miraculously, you pass a physical. Why did I pass that physical? And you get signed. Why? Because Mike Shanahan needed a guard. Mike Shanahan needed a guard, and the Broncos told the doctors, yeah, he's going to pass the physical. Okay. So... (laughs) So then when I see that the Seattle Seahawks are cutting Doug Baldwin and Cam Chancellor Mm -hmm. because they failed physicals, there's a decent chance that these guys end up with another team and all of a sudden they pass physicals. I think there's a decent chance that Doug Baldwin will end up with another team. I think Cam Chancellor's had a a fairly significant neck injury and he's probably got, uh, I think what they call like a, a spinal stenosis, which is a a narrowing of the of the nerve root like the where the nerve comes out it's you know it's like calcified or whatever which is you know potential like potential serious neck injury so um i don't know that cam chancellor is going to pass anybody's physical because now you're talking about you know now you're talking about life changing life altering like serious neck injuries right um but baldwin like, if somebody really needs Baldwin and he wants to play, somebody will pass him on his physical. I'm not sure exactly why Seattle failed him. He's had, I think, some knee issues and some other things. But, uh, yeah, if 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 he feels halfway healthy and somebody really needs his services, somebody will pass him. Kind of uh, bittersweet, huh, to see the way that the Seattle, once great Seattle team, has just been taken apart piece by piece. Two more big pieces coming off that. They just see. Well, what were they? Were they a dynasty and almost dynasty, a dynasty? What? Yeah, esty. They esty? were just uh, uh, now dynasty is good. They were tynisty. not quite a dynasty. Because yeah, esty is is something I think you catch after a, a wild <laughs> weekend in Vegas or something. Yeah, that's you, what, you that's went an... to the infirmary when you were in college. <laughs> yeah, you that's had right. An esty. What um, happened? I think uh, I got an esty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a diny. They're a dynie. Not dynasty. I like dynasty. Huh. Uh, There's a team that seemed, really, during their heyday, they seemed like they were creating a dynasty, but to only win in that time frame, only to win one championship, right? Oh, that's got to drive you crazy. Think about that defense that they had. I know. the, The players they had. From Bobby Wagner to Richard Sherman to Cam Chancellor to Earl Thomas to um, Michael Bennett to you know they just had they had oh uh, oh gosh what was the what's the uh, other outside linebackers they had I mean you talk about a bunch of guys that could flat out Bruce play. Irvin well Bruce Irvin was part of that um, I, I mean they just but had- just you know just. You turn you turn around and hand the ball off twice to Marshawn Lynch, down at the goal line, instead of throwing it, and getting it picked off by Malcolm Butler. Just think, think how that changes everything. Think how that changes history. Are they if they win that Super Bowl? Then it's a dynasty. KJ Wright is who I was thinking about. Really good outside linebacker. Um, yeah, if they win the back-to-back Super Bowls, then they're that. They're yeah, they're that dynasty. Gosh. One play call. Yeah. I mean, is there any doubt in your mind that if nope, they hand they the hand ball it... off to Marshawn Lynch, they score, they win? No, there's no doubt in my mind. Oh. oh sorry, Seattle fan. That's got to... Stings a little bit. Uh, that sucks. Stings. A I know nostrils. you've already lived it and we're bringing up painful memories, but think about that. Yeah. Just turn around and hand the ball off. Well, it's the New Orleans Saints last year. Yeah? You know the New Orleans Saints that, I mean, you just hand oh, wait, the ball. Wait, wait, wait. I thought they got, they lost because of a pass interference. Right, on right, clock. right. I thought right. that's what that was all about. You'd hand the ball that's off That's all I right hear from there. Saints fan is that they, got, they, they right. were robbed. You hand the ball off. You eat up clock. You make them call timeouts. You're kicking a field goal with about 30 seconds left. But it, but 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 right. but it was the officials' fault. Yeah, it, that's what all those people boycotting the Super Bowl told me. Yeah, well, they're, It had nothing to do with the Saints. No, Saints were innocent victims in all this. No, they, it was you know, like if you had Sean Payton in a in sarcasm a, alert. Yeah, private <laughs> moment. He'd tell you, should have handled the ball off. Now you expect Drew Brees not to throw a bad ball and Drew Brees is one of the great quarterbacks that's ever played. But you know, the bottom line is the bottom line is you eat up clock in that situation, you get that done. By the way, speaking of the Saints, had one of the most one of the coolest experiences. This is cool. This is cool. Tell of, tell people what you did life. earlier this week. So the Saints called me up and asked me to come and do some consulting work. And they flew me out the other day and, and put me up in a hotel. They picked me up early in the morning. Went over to the facility, and um, we just went piece by piece. First off, kind of gave my philosophical approach to to blocking guys and generating power and creating leverage. You know, because the bottom line is, you know, a lot of teams will tell you, "Hey, you got to stay low here." You know, you got to come off the ball lower or whatever, which is a bunch of crap. That 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 doesn't work because you're always going to hit helmet to helmet. I'm six three or four, and you're six three or six four, six five. We're going to hit helmet to helmet. You're not going to be twelve inches lower than I am. You generate you generate leverage from your feet through your hands, feet, hips, hands, right. That's how you create leverage and how you strike guys. So I went through this kind of basic philosophy on foot over ankle, over knee, over hip, how you generate power and how you come off the ball. Then what we ended up doing is we ended up going through all the stuff that they like to run, all the running plays and philosophical approach to taking off on like wide zone, tight zone, um, front side, back side. Three technique, two technique, two eye technique, bubble guard. We went through everything in depth, like every one of them. Three technique, it was a 20-minute conversation about targets, where I want to target the player, like where I want my hat to 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 fit up on the player, where I want my hands, how I want my feet to operate, um, how I'm working in combination with my center or in combination with my tackle. Um, how I want to enter the second level, what I want to get from the linebacker position and how I want to attack the linebacker. And we went, I mean, we went through it. And we go through each play, you know, wide handoff, wide zone handoff, tight zone handoff, you know, power plays, uh, gap plays, all these different things. And how we, then we would watch how they did it, like their film cut-ups. We'd watch their film cut-ups on like a wide zone handoff. And Were there a lot of differences in the way that you feel it should be done versus how they absolute, have been coaching it? Absolutely. Yeah, a ton huh. of things. And, and a lot of that is just from, you know, there's there's two things that I think uh, helped me out over the course of my career. One, um, I played defense my first couple of years, my first three years in college. So I was a defensive player. So I always, I always kind of philosophically approached blocking guys from an offensive standpoint on what they're trying to defend, what they're trying to defend or how they're trying to defend you. So the more things I can make look identical that are completely different plays, like the more techniques that I can make look identical. So if I can make, if I can make the backside of a cutoff look identical to the front side of a double team, and I get you backside cutoff three or four times, and I've got you fighting across my face, now all of a sudden, uh, front side, I'm double-teaming you using the exact same technique, and you've just played cutoff three times in a row? And so you play it that way? Our ability to just absolutely pummel you because you're playing something different even though the technique looks the same. You know what I'm saying? So how much crossover can I get in, in doing those things? See, that... As you described that, that I find that interesting as a football fan because I guess I figured that by the time you get to this level, the NFL, how much different ways are there to really coach well I, offensive I, line right. play? But what you're telling me is that what we watch on Sunday is there's a lot of diversity across the board as to how these things are being coached and coached well versus being coached poorly absolutely and there's just because you get to the level of of professional coach doesn't mean you're good at it and there's there's a certain old boys network here where guys, you know, guys have been coaching for a long time or guys have been hanging with their buddies for a long time that aren't necessarily great coaches or great technicians um so i said there was two things that that really helped me over the course of my career one was that i had played a lot of defense going into it so I had a perspective on what the defense was trying to do um, which helped me kind of develop my own techniques and my own thoughts. The other thing was that I was injured all the time. So the game became a lot more from the neck up because I got myself in in a position where I I couldn't afford a bad step. I couldn't afford to get myself out of out of perfect position because my injuries were such that I couldn't recover. So my thought process was don't ever put yourself in a position where you have to recover. And so those are the things that helped me. And it was really cool, man. I spent, you know, I spent gosh, 12 hours in a meeting room, essentially with a, you know, half hour lunch break. We, we spent 12 hours with the offensive line coach, the assistant line coach, the tight ends coach, you know, the offense coordinator popped his head in um, and just kind of, Football, like a an in-depth, this is not football 101. This is like the graduate-level course of why what you're coaching, in my mind, sounds great on a grease board but doesn't work on a football field. You showed me all the stuff that you guys went over. Yeah. And I was like, wow. I, I, I honestly, I did not realize that offensive line play, being an offensive lineman, your responsibilities were so complex yeah I mean there was a lot a of, lot of ground you guys were covering a lot of there, stuff there is no question if you look at, at a group in general just the group the the one group that has more responsibility and is consistently the smartest group of guys in a professional I knew, you'd, professional get I knew you'd get that in there right is the offensive line. It's the quarterbacks will will grade higher in, you know, wonderful crap and all that stuff. But the, as a group, there's no there's no higher intelligence level than the guys that play up front cuz there's so much. You know, there's so much that you're responsible for. And and think about this, Mike, as as a guy shifts from a three technique, which would be on the outside shoulder of of the offensive tackle, to a two-eye technique, which would be on the inside shoulder of an a off, offensive guard. Three technique, outside shoulder, defensive tackle on the outside shoulder of the guard, to a two-eye technique, which would be the inside eye or the inside shoulder of the offensive guard. The whole responsibility, all your footwork, your hat placement, your hands – and the entire responsibility of the offensive line can change with just that small shift. So, um, there's a lot that goes on from the neck up that has to be, you know, that has to be discussed. And it was really cool, man. We we got to the point where they're like, you know, you really kind of like changed my opinion on the way I'm coaching. Half a dozen things. Well, uh, I mean, that yeah. was and it. Was it was for me? It was great because you know how much I love football, right? And you know, and and how much I, you know, admire the guys that coach it, and and how much I love to talk to those guys about the game. So it was a really, really, it was just a really neat day for me. Well, it just goes to show that you know, even at this level, you, you're always looking for feedback, right. and and the best people, the best teams, the best players, coaches are open to getting that feedback. I mean, I saw, I, I guess Jimmy Garoppolo and Tom Brady. Kind of reconnected at the Kentucky Derby. Right. Took a picture. Two very handsome men. Wow. Uh, Although Brady was wearing kind of a goofy hat. Did you see the hat? He He did. It was kind of a goofy hat for him. It did look like. not. It was not as flattering. You know what he looked like? I'm going to tell you, and this is hard for me because you know my affinity for Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah. You know the man crush that I've had for many, many years. Yep. He looked like Curious George's handler. Yes! Right? The man in the yellow hat. hat. Exactly. Yes. I, I, you know what? I've been trying to put my finger on it all week. Yeah. That's that's the guy. I was like, did you take that hat from Curious George's handler? Yes. Boom. Boom. Well, Garoppolo and Brady were talking. I guess uh, Garoppolo was looking for advice yeah. from Brady, right, about coming back from an ACL? ACL, yeah, come back. And I've got the perfect advice. You know, I I can tell you exactly what it's like. I actually had a guy, I had a guy, um, do you remember Darren Bragg? Yeah, he was a baseball player. Baseball player. Yeah. So he was literally playing for the Rockies. And he was coming off an ACL injury. It was spring training. And I took my son to Rockies camp up in Tucson, Arizona. And so we're in the locker room, and we're rubbing, you know, we're rubbing the baseballs with the Miss—it the, Mississippi mud. Mississippi mud. Right? We're rubbing the baseball Like, we're doing all that. I didn't realize, at that point, I didn't realize that once they get the brand new baseballs, they actually rub them down in mud. So they dull them up a little bit make them a different a little bit different color and stuff and they actually had these tubs of mud that they get from the Mississippi and they put the mud on the baseballs so I got to do that and stuff and hanging out and you know talking to the Todd Heltons of the world and all those guys right so Darren Bragg comes up to me because he knew my injury history and I was at this time I was still playing with the Broncos and he's He's like, hey, man, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. I'm doing great. How are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm good. Um, and, you know, we started talking about injuries. And I said, well, you know, he's asking me some questions and I'm answering some questions. And so I, I go to him. I said, well, how are you doing? He's like, well, you know, it's coming, but I'm just not quite 100% yet. I'm just not quite 100%. And I said, can I, you know, permission to speak honestly with you, right? And he's like, yeah. And I go, if you're waiting to be 100%, I go, you'll just not quite 100% yourself out of the league. Ooh. I go, let me just tell you my experience. I go, you will never be 100%. Ooh. Ever. At I this go, point, what's his, what's his reaction to this? Like, he's like, just kind of like his eyes like, getting kind of big. Yeah, like, like wompy jawed, right? Yeah. And I said, here's the deal you have to be able to establish what your new 100% is. Ooh, interesting. And it may be 80% of what you used to be, but it's still plenty good enough to be a very productive player. And until you mentally cross that barrier, until you're able to do that mentally, I go you will never play to your potential. So at some point you got to go, hey, this is as good as it gets. It's plenty good enough to play. And I'm going to go out here and be a productive player. Now, if it gets better than where you set that 100%, now that's bonus. But you just have to understand that you're, you, you've been altered for the rest of your life. And you will never, ever once again feel the same, ever. And that's okay because you're still good enough to play. So, fast forward like 10 years, right? I'm at ESPN. Darren Bragg goes on to play for quite some time. He's in the hallways of ESPN. I didn't even recognize him. He stops me and he goes, "You changed my life." Really? He goes, "I wouldn't have played had you not given me that advice. That is I, cool. wouldn't have, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't have played." He's like I was so scared to let go. Uh-huh. And I was so this doesn't feel quite like it used to. Right? Had, not quite the same. But he and established a new normal. He established his new normal, and he moved on. So for Jimmy Garoppolo, man, establish your new normal, mm. and your new normal is plenty good enough for you to be great. Tom Brady did it. Yeah. He now he did end up coming back better. Right. Well, but you know he eats avocado ice cream and drinks fourteen gallons of water a day. True. You know what I mean True. it's just a. I don't know that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to drink that much water. Who would? I don't know. Who would want to do that? Right. But okay, I, that's yeah. I get what you're saying. You're right, because if you keep waiting to be 100, percent yeah, you could 100 percent yourself right out of the league. Right, wow, out of the that's league. good. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it was that's really cool. It's a it's a cool story, and i've 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 had several opportunities to talk to guys over the years since that, but that was kind of the first time that I just. Had kind somebody of, told you that? No, uh-uh. you, you arrived at that on your own. Well, the reason, like, I was retired from football as a junior in high school, or junior in college. Um and really what what the difference for me was was I I quit playing defense and moved over to the offensive side of the ball that's what made the difference and so I was able to kind of recalibrate my own mind and I just came to that conclusion at some point I had to let go of ever being right or ever being the same and what helped me was was getting off the defensive side of the ball and moving back to the offensive side of the ball um where instead of getting cut, I could do the cutting, you know, where I could dispense the justice. Um, but but in all seriousness, that helped me get over the top, and that's when I like I let go of ever trying to be what I was. I was and that was early in my life, you know. That's You're talking about 21, 22 years old just going, hey, dude, you're never going to be the athlete you once were because my knee when I had my ACL done um, – it just was never right again. It was, it was so tight. I lost so much range of motion and I never, I just never got it back. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. You say all that, especially specifically here about Garoppolo. Cause I, I had read, um, an interview with Kyle Shanahan, which he was talking about that, you know, Garoppolo's back, but mm-hmm. that early on after he had that ACL, he was in a really dark place. And sure. You know, cause you're right. Your whole career mortality is, is yeah. flashing before your eyes. And, mm-hmm. There's probably always something in your mind is like "Oh that's not right yet no that doesn't feel right, right. yet and you while you're waiting for it to be hundred percent right, you may yeah. look up one day and it's it's done you're you know out. What, you know what's, what's that's crazy? Interesting. yeah think about like think about what it feels like to like for you to to be on the floor playing with your kids and you're on all fours you know you guys are doing whatever and you're and you're on your knees and your hands and knees right. In 1985, I had my ACL reconstructed. They It killed all the nerves in my knee. I still don't have any feeling. If I get on one knee, on my left knee, I don't have any feeling. So I feel the pressure of the weight of my body on that knee, but I don't have feeling in the skin there. And that's from 1985, and which never, ever returned, you know? Like, it's... So it's just... Everything has been altered. It's just different. And that's, you know, what I. But you adjust. But you 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 have have no choice. You have no choice. Right? Um, And so that would be, like, that would be my advice to Jimmy Garoppolo. That and uh, drink a lot of water because it worked for Tom Brady. And stay away from hats that make you look like Curious George's handler because. Right. Even on Tom Brady, they don't look good. No. No. Life but. lessons with stink. Yeah. You know you what? Go. We figured it out. And if you're gonna drink that much water, it might as well be Core Water, who uh who is the presenting sponsor of this show. <laughs> Look I, at how you just tie it can all together. We, can, can we just mic drop and <laughs> That's get out of here? Boom, done. Okay, See you next week. Done later.